This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast, a podcast with a worldwide listenership that explores the broad world of preservation from every angle, from drones to mudlarking and everything in between. Now, let's get preserving. On this week's PreserveCast, we're talking with Christopher Oakley from UNC Asheville about his research behind solving the number one question guests at the Gettysburg National Cemetery ask. Where did Lincoln stand during the Gettysburg Address? Join us while Oakley takes us through the intense analysis of 19th century photographs with today's technology and 3D modeling software. All of that and more on this week's PreserveCast. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. And today uh, we are very excited to be talking with Christopher Oakley, who is an associate professor at UNC Asheville. But in addition to that, has done some amazing research um, to try and answer this question of where did Lincoln actually stand during the Gettysburg Address, which sounds like a simple uh, question to answer, but as we'll learn, is anything but simple. Um, But before we get there, we like to get to know these people that we're talking to a little bit here. So, Christopher, um, where'd you grow up? Um, And you you have this dynamic history of, of working in both history and animation. So maybe to paint the picture of where you, uh, where your career took you and, and where you are now. Cool. Well, um, and I'll try to make this brief. Uh, the, the, um, I, I grew up in the Chicago area, the Northern suburbs and, and all that. So from the land of Lincoln and, and, uh, I had, uh, Two very influential teachers that got me interested in both history and in animation. Uh, one one teacher was Spencer Loomis, my uh, eighth grade history teacher, who was wonderful storyteller, and and uh, he would act out what he was talking about, and and it made it very entertaining, and uh, and that really ignited, I think, my my interest in in history at that point. As, as you know, because I'm a natural storyteller, and I think I think that just it, they went together for me, and and uh, and then also in uh, my senior year in high school, I had a very influential teacher named Tom Carble who taught a filmmaking class at Highland Park High School, and and he introduced me to animated shorts, uh, clay animated shorts, claymation shorts by Will Vinton, and and things like that, and that really sparked my interest in animation. And I thought, well, that's really cool. I want to try this. So my first project that I did as a high school student was recreating Abraham Lincoln's assassination in my bedroom. <laughs> so I tore my bedroom apart and put the bed up against the wall, built Ford's Theater in my in my room, and used GI Joe and various other characters other dolls to uh stand in as my stop motion puppets uh, is that is that footage still available oh yes oh yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> great I, I actually digitized it many years ago and and uh yes I, I still have it um it's 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 almost embarrassing at this point to look at but at the same time I look and go at it, you know I say well, hey it's not untalented <laughs> right so, so uh that was that was how I got into it uh, then I then I uh, went off to college and did several things, but I I never lost the interest in animation, and and I ended up putting myself through graduate school uh, by doing animated jobs, uh, stop motion animated jobs. And my first job before I went off to grad school was with Will Vinton, who I'd seen as a high school student. He was the one who came up with claymation, so it was all clay animation. And mm-hmm. the very first commercial I worked on was the first California Raisins commercial. Oh, okay. And are there other for people who aren't 
familiar, perhaps myself included, give us some other Will Vintons. I'm familiar with California raisins. I think as a child, I had a California raisins raincoat. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but 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 uh, maybe some others that people might be familiar with. Oh, uh, they're well. Let's see. Uh, the Noid from Domino's Pizza. Uh, we were okay. making commercials and and. Uh, and all that. And uh, I was only there for about a summer. And and, and they also made a feature film of The Adventures of Huck Finn by Mark Twain. Hmm. Uh, or no, The Adventures of Mark Twain by Huck Finn. And okay. and, uh, and uh, they also worked on uh, the the redo of, of uh, The Wizard of Oz that included some stop motion animation and things like that. So they, they were around for many, many years. And, and uh, that's where I learned animation was in that summer of working for them. Then I went off to grad school and, and uh, put myself to grad school, school doing stop motion commercials. And among them were Bud Bowl one, where we had Budweiser playing Bud Light. Uh, and, um, and I also worked on Pee Wee's Playhouse uh, doing, uh the penny cartoons for Wee's Playhouse. I was going to ask about that. I mean, that's sort of if you if you think about claymation and stop action and stuff like that, like what comes mm-hmm. to mind is probably Gumby and yes. <laughs> um and Wee's Playhouse. Um an- another thing that I was a fan of as a child. Apparently my my interest in career has just sort of followed behind yours, I okay. guess. So I just you know, I'm interested in Lincoln, interested in Wee's Playhouse. I mean, right. you know, all the all the uh the, the greats of American history here. Right. right. Well, and so I did that. I did that. I got through and I graduated from college and, and, and then um, I thought, well, you know, I'd always wanted to be a screenwriter and a director and, but I was directing uh, uh, commercials essentially and, and the penny, penny cartoons for Pee Wee. And, and, and um, eventually though, I got contacted after about 10 years of stop motion animation. Uh, I got contacted by, and this is all in New York city. Uh, and I got contacted by Disney and they were staffing up for Dinosaur, which was going to be their first computer animated film. And they had a relationship with Pixar, but it wasn't sure if they were going to continue with that. So they wanted to position themselves to have their own digital production studio. And uh, so they they hired me. They, they recruited me from New York, moved me to Los Angeles and uh, trained me in computer animation. And so I worked with them on Dinosaur for four years and then various other projects. Uh, and I went off to Rhythm and Hughes and worked on Scooby-Doo, the original uh, live action version, but with an animated Scooby. And uh, and I worked on that and Men in Black 2 and Stuart Little 2. Uh, so a lot, a lot of, you know, a few films, but lots and lots of commercials and, and TV shows. And, um, and then eventually I became a, an animation director at EA Games working on the Medal of Honor series. And I did that for about oh, five wow. years. And, um, and that was great because it was great to lead a team of animators. And, and, then, uh, and then I moved to North Carolina, um, got a little burned out with, with the game industry and moved to, to North Carolina and, uh, and ended up getting contacted. Oh, well, I... One thing got me contacted by the university, and that was I was contacted by a producer who wanted to know if I knew Flash Animation, and and I said yeah, maybe, <laughs> why? And he's who wants to know? And he said Madonna, and so I ended up animating Into the Groove for Madonna's Sticky and Sweet World Tour, uh, using Keith Haring designs uh, and as the basis of the animation, and that got some local press, and and uh, the school found me that way and asked me if I wanted to teach, and I started teaching and haven't looked back what a i mean 
I didn't expect to get all of that. Um, I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone listening expected to get all of that. We went from the California raisins to uh, to peewee uh, to, and then we're at getting the groove. I mean, yeah. we've and and now, of course, we're going to head to Abraham Lincoln. I mean, it's yes. a, it's really a straight line. Yes, exactly. Um, so okay, so we're going to talk about Lincoln and how you figured out. Um, and and have done this amazing research uh, that's been chronicled all over the place, including the New York Times, about um, where Lincoln stood during the Gettysburg Address. You know, we're sort of joking that it's a straight line between all of these things, but but where does Lincoln fit into all of this? Well, I've always been fascinated with Lincoln uh, since the age of five, and this is kind of a weird story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, I was a, in my kindergarten class in Illinois, in Crystal Lake, Illinois, and back then, you know, all classrooms in Illinois had a photo or a painting of Lincoln on the wall, usually right next to George Washington, and this is in the mid '60s, and and um, and I remember sitting at my 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 desk, my little Ben Franklin desk in in my kindergarten class, and I'm staring at that iconic photo of Lincoln where he's staring right at the camera, just full face, and and I remember staring at that and thinking, I knew him, and he was a nice man. I have no idea where that came from. But I remember thinking it, and I remember as a five-year-old questioning it, saying, "How could that be possible?" I obviously did not know this guy, and and uh, but it sparked that interest, and from then on, it was it was just any you know it was Link, all the Link, Lincoln all the time. And my mother used to joke; she she used to say that you know when when people wanted to give me a gift for Christmas or my birthday or something, they didn't know what to get me. She'd say, "Just give him something with Lincoln on it, and he'll be happy." And and uh, so that so that's where the the interest came from. So and, the Lincoln piece has always kind of been there in the background, no matter yeah. where you've been, what you've been animating. There's always been an interest yeah. in that. Yeah. When did it transition to what we're going to talk about, which is, well, where did he give the Gettysburg Address? When did that question pop into your head? Well, the the first time that came up was in 1976. My family was on a on a trip to Gettysburg. <clears throat> And uh, we were taking one of those double-decker bus tours, and they took us through. Back then, you, they would take you through the cemetery. They'd take you through the National Cemetery. Right. And I remember they pulled up to the fence line, and the driver pointed across the cemetery, across into Evergreen Cemetery, which, for the listeners who don't know, it borders the National Cemetery. It's a private cemetery that borders the National Cemetery. Right. That was there and, at the time of the battle. It was there at the time of the battle, and that's right. where the battle took place. Right, it was right there on in in the Evergreen Cemetery and at the iconic gatehouse, which is still standing. Right, and he pointed toward the gatehouse, and I remember looking at that gatehouse and thinking, "Oh my God, what a cool building! I would love to just climb in there. I would like to go climb the steps and look out those windows." And and um, but he pointed over and he said, "Over by that gatehouse is where we think Lincoln stood when he delivered the Gettysburg Address, but we don't really know." And then in subsequent visits to Gettysburg as a young man, uh, I, I saw that there was signage at the in the in the National Cemetery that said, oh, Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address uh, 200 yards over there somewhere. And then there's another one that says, well, Lincoln gave the, the address right here at the Soldiers National uh, Monument, which is not right. true. And, and, and then, and then Lincoln, we now, and then there's now more signs that say, we believe that it took place in Evergreen Cemetery over this fence and somewhere over there. 
And and uh, so, you know, there's all these signs that are currently standing there right now that say, you know, it's in a different place. Right. And, and uh, so it's very confusing. And so uh, I how we ended up getting there was uh, I created this project called the Virtual Lincoln Project for my students back in 2012, 2013. And the whole idea of that project was to create something. We were going to create a photoreal human being uh, that was digital using a program called Maya, which is an industry standard software for doing animation and special effects for film and television. And I was teaching this program and I needed something to feed the students who were getting it right away and getting bored. So I created an undergraduate research project called the Virtual Lincoln Project. And I said, let's make a digital Abraham Lincoln. Let's make it really hard, make it somebody that everybody knows and and uh, a face that everybody knows. And and uh, let's let's just go do this. And I thought it was going to be a semester, two semesters. But 10 years later, here we are. We're still working on this thing. Still working on them. <laughs> yes. And can people see this anywhere? Uh, there's a Facebook page for it right now. Um, but, but you know, it's just the virtual Lincoln project. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes to that so people can click, click on that right away and take a look at that. So you go from virtual Lincoln to... Yeah. Yes. Then you start this idea of pinpointing his location. Yes. Yeah. Because what happened was we decided at one point, originally the project, he was just going to stand against a gray backdrop and, and give the speech, which we probably should have stuck with. Uh, but, <laughs> but I but I decided, wouldn't this be more interesting if we actually put him in the cemetery that he's there to dedicate? And let's put the crowd of 15,000 people around him that was there to, to hear it. Uh, and let's put the 39 VIPs on the platform. And let's put the people standing on the platform. Yeah. So so I decided we would do, open it up like that and that added years to the project. Uh but I told the students, you know, here's what we're going to do. You guys just do the tech. You guys just keep building assets for the for the project. I'll do the research. I'll figure out where the speaker stand was. I'll figure out the size of the speaker stand, the shape of the speaker stand, who was on it. I'll figure all that out. I'll do that research. You guys go do that. I had no idea what I was getting into. And and I didn't realize that there was it, that it's such a murky question when I got into it. And that was but but I but I realized as I was creating the assets for this and we downloaded GIS uh, information, topological maps and for, for for the cemeteries. And we we started building assets and putting them all into Maya and creating this 3D digital world. And I suddenly realized while I was doing this. Um, well, you know, the existing, there's six existing photographs of the ceremony, not, you know, to the, to the average person's eye, not very good photographs, but when you know what you're looking at, you can really find a lot of information. And, and, um, but I looked at those photographs and I thought, you know, if I could recreate these photographs digitally, um, because all these photographers were triangulating each other. If I could, if I could do that digitally. I should be able to figure out where the speaker stand was and and the size and the shape, because if they're all shooting in, at each other, <laughs> then it's right there in the middle of all of that. And and uh, and if I move it one way or the other, the wrong way, it'll not work. If I make it too big, it won't work. If I make it too small, it won't work. Um, and so I tried it and I took one of the Alexander Gardner photographs uh, of the of the actual event. And and I was able to reproduce that. It took me about a year and a half, but I was able to reproduce that uh, with the digital camera within Maya. And now, 
for people who aren't familiar, maybe in a second here, we'll take a break and kind of come back with the right. rest of the story. But a guy named Will Frazzanito mm-hmm. did tons of research on this back in the 70s. Yes. To what extent did you utilize his work? Or did, was that like a starting point? That, tons. Oh, my God. Bill Frazzanito's uh, research was 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 uh, a godsend to us. Um, we were, we were, uh, because he, Bill Frazzanito, for those who don't know, is, is sort of the Obi-Wan Kenobi of, of Civil War uh, photography. And, right. and, uh, and also particularly in Gettysburg. And right. he, he, he's just the expert. He's, he was an analyst for the, for the army uh, in the Vietnam War era. And, and, um, and he, he just, his his mind is so uh, particular about every little detail, and he was very. I mean, in the New York Times article, he was very, um, uh, very positive and mm-hmm. about your work, which I think is the sign of like a true professional and somebody who really cares about the the study. In that mm-hmm. he was he was very interested in sort of your findings and very supportive of the work that was done to this point, which I think is pretty cool, right? Because it's building on each other. Yes, exactly, and 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 he he's been a very uh, a, quite a mentor for me, and and I, I I make a point to see him every time I'm in Gettysburg to to go to the Reliance Mine Saloon. I was going to say not not hard to find him, you know you know <laughs> yes, what stool we, he's sitting on. We, we know where he is. Yes. So, so let's take a break here. Come back and talk about this triangulation, and it took a year to get the first photo lined up, and we'll figure out how long it took to get the rest, and if you now know where Lincoln stood. Um, and we'll do that right here in PreserveCast. Historic preservation can't happen without skilled tradespeople to perform the work. And there's a critical need right now for those tradespeople. The Campaign for Historic Trades, powered by Preservation Maryland, is working to meet that need by strengthening apprenticeship opportunities within historic trades. In partnership with the National Park Service's Historic Preservation Training Center and Conservation Legacy, the campaign is currently recruiting for NPS Traditional Trades Apprenticeship Program, or TTAP. TTAP is an intensive 20-week apprenticeship that provides young adults the chance to learn historic trade skills while working on America's most iconic historic sites. Multiple positions are open for the 2022 season at national parks across the country. Visit historictrades.org for more information on TTAP and how to apply today. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. We're thrilled to be talking with Christopher Oakley, an associate professor at UNC Asheville, but also for our purposes, uh, the mind behind the triangulation to figure out where Lincoln stood during the Gettysburg Address, um, which is not an insignificant question to answer um, because perhaps the most important address in American history, the perhaps the most important speech ever given in American history, and odd that to this point, um, we still are a little fuzzy on exactly where he stood when he gave it, um, which speaks to sort of how people felt about the address at the time. Um, you know, it was not um, widely celebrated until until years later, um, which I've always thought perhaps was the reason we don't know exactly where he was when he gave it, because it wasn't considered the world's greatest address at that moment. Um, but you talked about how you're using this program, Maya. You're lining up the images. You've taken a gardener image um, for people not familiar, a guy who went there during this uh, the speech and the, the dedication of the cemetery. 
takes a picture, you line up the picture, you figure out topographically where that picture is taken from. But you need at least, what, three shots to figure out to triangulate the location, right? So how long does it take to get the next two lined up? Oh, it took me, well, there were the two other photographers who were there were, were, uh, were um, David Backrack and Peter Weaver. And Peter Weaver took two photos. He took one from across Emmitsburg Road, uh, or across Tawnytown Road, uh, and and facing up toward the past the National Cemetery and into Evergreen Cemetery. And and the problem with that one was that Bill Frasnito had had determined that that was taken from the second story of the Duttera House. And I did a ton of research trying to find the Duttera House. <laughs> what it looked like, where it was. No longer standing, I presume. No longer standing. It's where the Quality Inn now stands. It's <laughs> it's near their pool. Uh, so, um, so, so, uh, but I looked at that photo and I thought, no, this isn't the second floor. This is, this is a higher photo. This is, this looks like it's from a third floor. So I thought, well, it must be an attic window. Mm. But, but if you're facing the, from the street, facing up that direction, if a house is sitting there, the attic windows would, of course, be on the sides and they would be facing the wrong direction. So I said, well, I need a building that's facing the wrong direction. I need a building that's 90 degrees to the street and facing uh, facing up toward the cemeteries. And there is a marker that has a drawing of the Dutterer House currently on the on the street where they think it was. Uh, but that's an incorrect the, that house would have it facing the wrong direction. And and so I said, this can't be the Dutterer house. This has to be a mistake. And so I did, you know, the whole the whole thing of my research is in the digital humanities. So, you know, I did what any good digital humanitarian would do is I Googled, uh, you know, and and went to the Library of Congress where you can download high res high resolution uh images uh that of all of this stuff so if you're you know if you're a digital humanitarian what you want to do is google uh and and you you know google is your best friend and and um and i forgot what we were talking about Sorry. oh it's fine here we'll start over it's fine uh this is for ben uh start the edit here um so where did the Dutterer House you oh, the were Dutterer able House. to yes. find Thank it? You. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. So uh, like a good digital humanitarian, I, I Googled uh, the Dutterer House, didn't find it, uh, but went to the Library of Congress. And the Library of Congress uh, website has high-res high res, uh, images of documents and photographs and all of that that you can download. And, and uh, so... I just thought, well, let me see if I if it happened to be in another photograph that, you know, that somebody was just taking at some point. And so I thought, well, it's on Cemetery Hill. Or it's near Cemetery Hill. And I found a photograph that was labeled uh, Cemetery Hill uh, from uh, from the Ziegler uh, uh, Grove of trees. And and so I thought, well, that's close. Let me look. And there it was. There was the, this house in the distance that was facing the right direction, had a third floor attic that was facing uphill and, and a barn that's exactly where it was drawn in the in the military map. So and, do we know the name of this house? Uh, it was the Duttera house. Uh, I, I mean, there's no, it doesn't say so in the photograph, but oh, yeah, it's, right. clearly, it's clearly the right house. And, and, uh, and it's in the right place. Uh, and it was 
demolished, I think, in the early in the 20s or the 30s to create a, a, a motel there. Uh, not the Quality Inn, but another one. And then that was torn down and became the Quality Inn. Um, so, so he took one photograph from there, from that third floor, but I had found the position by doing the little tweaking that I had to do. And it's all hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tweaks to this digital camera, both to the angle of view and to the focal length of the lens. Uh, and then, and then the position and just moving it around until all the objects, because the thing is the gatehouse was still there. We know where the flagpole for the ceremony was. That was where the national monument currently stands. And, and there was a 90 foot poplar tree. So there were, and, and then we have the horizon and Culp's Hill and, and all those other things that I'm able to use to line up the cameras and to try to find those positions once I've brought the, the photographer's photos into my, into my uh, reference. And, and, and it's just a question of minutely changing each one of those just a you know point zero zero one on the if you're typing in the numbers you know one way or the other and and uh, and I was able to find the position for for that first photograph before I found the Dutterer House and and when I found the Dutterer House I modeled it based on just guesstimating you know how tall a building will be and and all that and when I put that into our scene the window lined up exactly where I had the camera. And and uh, and then so you knew yeah, you had it at that point. I knew I I knew I had it. And and then and then for the other Weaver shot, he took that from the second floor of the gatehouse, looking up over past Evergreen Cemetery, up to, uphill toward where the speaker stand was. And and so that one was easy. This uh, the, the the gatehouse is still there. The window is still there. It's the exact same window. Um, and so I know that's where he was standing and I happen to be, have become good friends with Brian Kennel, who is the superintendent of Evergreen Cemetery. And he allowed me to go up there and take photos from the window, uh, myself. And, and, um, and in fact, whenever I'm in Gettysburg, I stay at the gatehouse now. So, you know, it was cool in 1976 when I'm looking at this building thing. What an awesome building. I love I'm going to say it's long, long. Yeah, the, the, the story all comes around. It comes around. So now I sleep in Elizabeth Thorne's bedroom every night. So, wow. uh, so, so anyhow, um, so I was able to match that photograph. And if you look in the distance of Peter Weaver's photograph from the gatehouse, you can actually see a figure on a platform. Be, that's not the speaker stand, but to the right of that, way off in the distance, very fuzzy, uh, that's much higher than everybody else. And that's actually Alexander Gardner standing on his platform, taking the picture. photo, going back the other way. Right. And I think that this is mentioned in the New York Times article, which we need to put a link in the show notes to because um, there's some great they were able to take some of the animation work that you've done and, and put it into the mm -hmm. article. They did a really great piece. Yeah, um, I, I was you know really impressed. So. I mean, long story short here, you now, in theory, according to the best estimates we have, know the location. How different mm -hmm. is it from the one that Bill Frazanito, who probably to this point had the best guess yes. of where it was, how far off is it from where he thought it was? It's about 20 yards from where Bill had his. So not and bad when you think about him doing it without the all analog the benefit yeah the, yeah. About the benefit of, of digital work and he yeah as, as i said before he was very supportive of your work so yes. i mean and 20 yards is in the grand scheme of what's going on here i mean yeah. it's it's important but also it's it's within the range of uh you know <laughs> yes. the, the margin of error 
Yeah, and and Colin Frampton also back there to to uh, um, uh, licensed guys as well who who uh, who uh, also guesstimated where it was, and they came very close as well. And there have been bloggers who've been close, and and people you know people have you know it's 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 but they're all using the same thing, which is the photographs and hopefully being in the cemeteries themselves and walking right. around. So uh, now, do you yeah. know the, I mean, in terms of the spot that you think it is, mm-hmm. you could walk to that spot. Is there, have you left like a coin or a marker so that <laughs> others can find it? I would like to know personally. It's, it's, it's very easy. Okay. Uh, if you want to know where Lincoln was actually standing. So this is, for, this is just a heads up. This is for the true Gettysburg nerds listening true, right yes. now. If you want to go, here stand, we go. If you want to stand in the spot that Lincoln was standing, according to my research, um, if you put your back to the, if you have the National Cemetery as a a monument behind you, the the Mm -hmm. one where they thought the speech was for over 100 years. Right. uh, If you have that, if you're standing with that to your back and you're looking at Evergreen Cemetery at the fence, uh, there are a number of rhododendron trees, uh, bushes, uh, you know, and there are in the third rhododendron from the left. <laughs> if you're standing right in front of it, you're standing where Lincoln was standing. I, I mean, I think we know the name of the book about this. It's called Third Rhododendron from the Left. <laughs> from the left. <laughs> <Yes>. I'm <laughs> going to borrow that idea. Yeah. <laughs> that, fascinating. So, yeah. I mean, for people listening, perhaps not a true Gettysburg nerd like myself, but and and they're thinking, okay, cool, you figured out the location of where Lincoln stood. What are the implication of this? Let's take a step back just from Gettysburg and Lincoln. What is the value of this in terms of, I mean, have you thought about this at all? Like, you know, for someone listening who's in a different part of the country who has perhaps another story to tell, or what are, what are the implications of this for historical research on a bigger scale? Well, the, the I don't expect everybody's going to be able to know Maya. Uh, you know, or can right. or something like that. But what I do want to encourage people to do is, is you know, the digital humanities. You know, just using just using your computer, uh, you know, opens up this whole world. You know, and you know, search engines, Google, and and all the other search engines, all you know, whatever you're using, um, whatever your area of interest, just start looking it up. And what you're going to find, hopefully, um, is that. Not everything matches what you've been told, <laughs> right? You know? Whether it's and, and in my case, it was trying to square the photography, the photographs, with what we have in the written record, and and uh, and and you know we have a lot of misinformation about uh, Lincoln at Gettysburg or or things that are you know either half true or or whatever, and it was trying to square that up. So for anybody in you know wherever they are in the world, if they're interested in this. Is yes, go do the research. You know, look it up online, look it up in the library, look it up, you know, wherever. And but go to the location too. It's it's very important to actually be there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I always wonder about people who write books who have never been to the location. Oh yeah, yeah. It always seems concerning. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or or developed a photograph and 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 uh, so or taken a photograph. Right. Uh, so 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 uh, you know it's very important to do that. I mean, the one thing that I got from people because I led a cemetery tour the day after I did my presentation at the Lincoln Forum. Uh, and what I did was I, I took them around to where the photographers were so they could, and then showed them the photographs so they could see 
that position they're standing in. Here's the photograph mm-hmm. that was taken. And then we ended up at the site where the platform was. And we actually took a ribbon and and uh, and marked off the entire between Evergreen oh, Cemetery. Wow. Because it actually straddled both cemeteries. Sure, because the, the speaker's platform was quite large. It was quite large, much larger yeah. than than history has tells us tells us it was. And and so I would say to people, do something like that. You know, just 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 go to the location because in that in the case of, of our project. Um, you know, when you look at those photographs, the the lenses look fairly wide angle. And so everything looks big and far and off in the distance. But when you're actually in the spot, and many people responded to this, they said, oh, my God, I didn't realize it was this intimate, that it's this small, you know, that you're this close to the gatehouse, yeah. you know. And and uh, so, you know, that's the kind of stuff you would learn only if you put boots on the ground and go. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. that's a great I think that's just a great takeaway. And I'm curious. Where where are you headed next? I mean, are you you're trying to figure out what's the you know what's the next what's the next location that you need to ground truth? Uh, well, it's, it's an interesting question. I I'm 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 not sure actually where I'm going to go next with this. Uh, and and uh, I do want to finish the animated project, which sure. is still ongoing. Uh, we got interrupted by the pandemic, and and. Uh, <clears throat> But but uh, but I do want. I'm, I'm sure I'm gonna. You know, I, I think Dealey Plaza has been figured out. I think we've. Got, you know, Nova did a great job with that. Yeah, uh, one of their specials. Uh, so I'm not sure if I'll. You know, I, I I would love to maybe maybe just go somewhere. You know, with a Revolutionary War or something, and and uh, try to figure out a battle or try to figure out. You know where you know, uh, where Washington stood or something. I don't know, but, but, uh, or where they crossed uh, at a place, but I don't know where it's going to end up next. Um, but, 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 if, but if, I, you, if history is any guide, particularly your career is any guide, there's yeah. really no straight line. So who knows where, yeah. I mean, this, it, yeah. it, it but it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a local <laughs> legend here in North Carolina in from Bostick, North Carolina, that Lincoln was actually born here and in Bostick. And and illegitimately. And and so there's uh, there's quite a bit of documentation that's very interesting. And so I'm I may look into that a little bit uh, and, and see what I think about that. And John Meacham actually mentions it in his his recent book on Lincoln. And and he doesn't mention Bostick, North Carolina, but he mentions Enloe and, and all the you know the characters in that story. Uh, so that'd be interesting to look into as well, um, especially since it's really a bright in my backyard. Well, we'll have to um, keep an eye on all this. If people want to learn more about you or, or stay in, in touch with you or find out what you're working on, is there a way to follow along? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I'll try to do better about updating the, the Lincoln Project. Facebook page. Um, but, um, but my website, you know, for chrisroakley.com, that's, that's, uh, that there's, you can find out more about me and my, my, my work, uh, there. And, uh, and I, I haven't updated that yet with this project, uh, with, with this, this, uh, announcement, but, uh, I will be doing that soon. Um, and, and, uh, so they can follow me there and, cool. and, uh, and also, or, or find me through the university of North Carolina at Asheville. Great. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure to be with you today to talk about this. Um, Looking forward to seeing what you do next and um, uh, just really thrilled to be able to have this conversation. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to PreserveCast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. 
follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening and keep on preserving.